Our speaker this morning is Lauren Demarath, professor of sociology, right, at Centenary College, and an, a community activist. But it's been a very big pleasure to get to work with some. Lauren, would you, would you help me welcome him? Thank you. Uh, it's an honor, of course, to speak with you today. And uh, uh, truth be told, I've been eagerly awaiting this, uh, this opportunity. Uh, I'm a sociologist, uh, as uh, Reverend Gerald mentions, um, but my most recent research has taken a direction that I think only Unitarians could really understand. <laughs> There's a series of uh, billboards in town that you may have seen. I, the one that I know well is on the corner of Uri and uh, Kings, um, sponsored by Broadmoor Baptist, that uh, say different things. The current one is, I am Broadmoor Baptist, as a picture of a face of, of a person. Uh, one was, where do I find my purpose? Well, uh, yeah, and I'm wearing my emblem of science here. <clears throat> science doesn't say much specific about that, not prescriptive about that, uh, maybe. No scheduling your diet, uh, when you should fast or not eat meat, or what kind of meat, um, or what percentage of your income you should give to, the, to your worshiping community, or specifically what will happen to you if you don't, um, how often you should go to church, should you stay afterwards for coffee. Science doesn't really say much about that, how much you should volunteer, you know, etc. It's not prescriptive, it's more descriptive. Uh, but I can tell you increasingly, I think that it has something to contribute about where we fit in the scheme of things, so what our purpose is in that sense, where you fit, how you fit, and the good and the bad of not trying to fit. So here goes. My, my work in the past has centered on how people create subjective order, a sense of how things fit together subjectively in the process of social interaction, talking, socializing, going to movies, watching the news, watching a sporting event, watching a soap opera. We like how things come to fit together. And that's culture. Culture produces those things for us, those opportunities for fit, for experiencing fit. Uh, the book that I'm publishing that's coming out this, this spring is called Explaining Culture, the Social Pursuit of Subjective Order. And there's a theory of aesthetics, of aesthetic perception, and what we like that's separate from anything of ourselves, but something that you perceive apart from yourself, that you either are attracted to, that you like, or that you're repulsed by. There's a theory of aesthetics within that. It says, basically, we like perceptions that fit within our knowledge, within our experience, 
It builds the orderliness of our knowledge. We like it when our knowledge becomes orderly and more usable and more powerful in that way. We don't like things that appear to contradict our knowledge, that appear to imply that we might be wrong about things. We don't like that. Um, We can rebuild over a radical perception, start all over again. We'd rather not. Uh, So we seek out confirmations of, of what we know. It's an information processing approach to aesthetics. Uh, effectively, we like things that save us energy in terms of processing them. And there's a guy that I've just recently encountered out in Germany, Jürgen Schmidhuber, who's a computer scientist and an artist who has says the same, same thing. He doesn't know I exist, but uh, I, I love him. I can't wait to meet him someday. I, I hope he uh, talks to me. Um, but this theory explains why we like symmetrical faces more than asymmetrical faces faces that look like ourselves or look like our family members or even in the cases of of fetishes and things like that 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 look like whatever we're thinking about a lot Um, we prefer mirror images of our faces for example than the regular images that other people see. So they all prefer to see our regular, a regular image of our face. We prefer the one that's flipped over that we see in the mirror. We like music that we're familiar with. Uh, we can grow to like a musical genre. We can grow to like a song. You often don't like a song as much the first time you hear it as you do a few times in. But we don't like the same thing repeated because you're not building your sense of order. We experience, I argue, aesthetic feelings, feelings of beauty, uh, being moved by things when something is changing a little bit. We're seeing something slightly new. Jokes confirm meanings that they're about by inverting them and saying, it's okay, it's just a joke. But you don't like the joke. You don't want to hear the joke again after you've heard it. You're not really gaining anything from that sudden awareness of, of what the meaning is. Once you've heard a story or seen the movie, you don't want to go out and see it again right away. You want unique perceptions of the familiar to help be another building block on what that knowledge is. We gather together in groups so we can hear stories that are similar to the ones we would tell, but that are slightly new because that didn't quite happen to us, but it's very similar. I wouldn't quite phrase it that way, but I like that. That adds to how we see the world. We offer each other compatible visions of the world and how we fit within it. And when we see or hear things that click with us, boy, we, we like that. Uh, when Reverend Gerald the other day spoke about how we all might seem imperfect to ourselves, but we should feel liberated by the fact that everyone is imperfect and that you don't know necessarily how you fit in 
that you may think your broken glass may mean you're an imperfect window when actually you're a wonderful piece of art that other people can appreciate at some point. That resonated with me. That really clicked with me. Uh, You don't know how important your own difference may be. When Ron Hagar, I think it's Ron Hagar, it was a while ago when we were first coming here, gave a presentation about the common themes across the major religions. Um, Well, as a sociologist, uh, I love that. That really resonated with me. Maybe as a Quaker, uh, raised as a Quaker, that that resonated with me. I don't know why it resonated with me a lot, but but it did. And um, that drew me to all souls. When my wife and I first began coming here some time ago, I think, and we drove into the parking lot, and uh, we noticed the cars and bumper stickers on the cars. <laughs> We're like, yeah, this is, this is our kind of crowd. Yeah, this is. <clears throat> so we gather together in groups to build our subjective senses of what the world is about and how we fit into it. And we enjoy these moments of fitting in our interactions with each other, our building of knowledge by adding those pieces through complementary interactions, conversations, etc. So that's what I've been doing for the past uh, 15 years or so, 20, yeah, 20. Um, but then I, I recently I read a book that I'd recommend to all y'all um, called Maps of Time, and it is an introduction to big history. It is the history of everything that we know about. It starts at the Big Bang and maybe a little bit before and goes forward through that and this, all the way up to us and then beyond looking at the next 100 years, the next 1,000 years, the next million years. But about half the book centers on uh, humanity because we know most about that. So I, I, I read that and it really... Uh, triggered my thinking about how what we do in terms of our interaction is consistent with what happens elsewhere in the universe. That is that things come together and create systems of complexity that create energy, or rather, more technically speaking, reduce entropy or that there's another word for it, negentropy, that produce negentropy, but it produces useful energy. So it's made me think that what we're doing by coming together is creating energy. In the same way that matter comes together to form stars, that atoms come together to form molecules, in the same way that organisms come together to form families and eventually ecosystems or part of ecosystems. That same way people come together to form friendship groups, religious communities, organizations, non-profit and for-profit countries, societies, etc., which provide energy to the people that join them provide resources that really radiate energy. 
They radiate energy in the form of aesthetic communications, uh, really, forms of newsletters, web pages, sermons, hymns, uh, the hymn that we just sang, uh, Heart and uh, Heart and Mind, yeah, it was uh, sure resonated with me. Another clicking for me there. Uh, conversations over coffee is the way we see what the energy is in that organization, what I could, how I could benefit from that, what I could offer to it. Uh, bumper stickers. So groups in that, in that course of meaning expression are expressing the meanings that sustain them, that are important to them, and providing us opportunities with, you know, does that turn you on? Is that, are you attracted to that? Do you like that? You know, are you, does that, does that move you? Um, you'll see that you'll, you're able to click with that crowd, how you, all those things, if they resonate with you. And they'll want you as a resource for new stories, new versions of their established truths. You're the new song in the genre that they already know well, the new joke they haven't heard, but confirms the core meanings involved in the telling of that joke. So if that does resonate with you, the things that you're hearing in an organization, in a group, you'll fit. You'll sail through the immune system-like defenses of getting to know you before you're fully integrated, and you'll be welcomed. But you have to radiate your own potential energy, your own resources. You have to express yourself tell your own stories, preach your own sermons, sing your own songs. And if they fit, folks will be singing right along with you. And you'll be enjoying each other. You'll be harmonizing. But not all of them, not everybody necessarily, will harmonize to the same degree, will like that genre of music to the same degree. And you may have to work to find a particular crowd within that community that would sing along with you. But expressing yourself and listening to their expressions through that, you'll eventually find them, the group that you click with. And once you do, though, because this gets sticky and, and this is all in progress with me, I have to say, this point, when this happens, I'm confused by, and if anybody has any ideas about this, uh, please collaborate with me and join with me. But once you do find that group, you'll join with them and you'll do what they do, which is partly to develop boundaries and admission criteria and requirements that guard that special function. You're not allowed in unless you get it. You know, and we've got some tests for you here. We don't want you messing up the song. Uh, but one of the lessons of science and, and reading something like Maps of Time, which takes this big sweep over all phenomena, 
Uh, it allows you to see, well, that's just the way that order is created and recreated. You do build borders, boundaries, membranes. Um, it's one of the lessons of science that separation and distinction and differentiation is inevitable. Inevitable. Whether it's new chemical elements that are created in the core of stars, new mutations that find niches within ecosystems and become species, new patterns of religious belief that find niches within societies and become established religions. Distinction, separation happens. That process of separation, specialization, even isolation and exclusion can provide energy. Everyone knows the words. The music can be more complex and do more. Everyone knows those meanings so they can communicate more effectively. But it appears from these patterns that exist in our universe that we always come back. It's like the, the song uh, that Carol led us into uh, the digging deep. Because um, I'm thinking compost is what I'm thinking about. Um, you have to go back to get nutrients from where there's a big diverse mixture to sustain your group and give it fuel and energy to provide difference. Difference which is healthy because it creates newness and gains of meaning. It's not, meaning isn't something we enjoy just by having it. It's making it that we enjoy. Uh, a social psychologist, Sik High, unpronounceable name, he's Hungarian, uh, wrote the book Flow, which some of you may have seen, and he interviewed lots of people about when they feel really into the moment and the activity, and they love it, and they love that, and they love their occupation or their activity for that. Artists will tell you it's not having produced the art that is the rush. It's producing it. It's doing it. Uh, likewise for us, when we consume it, it's that one time that we consume it or the process of consuming it. It's not having done it. So we have to keep going back to the compost, as it were, to fertilize what we're doing. What that means for us in terms of patterns of the universe that science has been able to point us to, is that we should get out, mix and mingle. And in the process, don't be afraid to express yourself. You'll find energy in other groups that are expressing themselves and are looking for you as a resource. We don't get to evolve, right, without being part of an ecosystem that pushes us in that direction. And so that's what all souls may do for us in places like this. It's at one point a point of differentiation and separation, but also a point where we can mix and mingle and offer our many diverse selves. And who knows, somebody might perceive us as being works of art in that way. Thank you.